Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everybody, and um, I just wanted to say a little disclaimer. Um, this is a this is a great show, and I um, I have my friend Michelle um, back on with us today, and we just really wanted to do a show. And you know, I know I always have a little bit of, of fun, and you know, I know I think there's always a little serious note with my shows obviously because I think we we always try to dig deep with our with our shows and and we try to you know always learn and I feel like we we always want to learn with our shows um but especially with today's show um you know Michelle and I had a little discussion about things that that we've talked about at conferences and even on on the phone that Michelle and I've discussed and um I think this happens obviously in the the general population, but with adoptees, it's very prevalent, and there's a lot of physical and sexual abuse that goes on. Um, Michelle and I are in no way professionals, um, but this is something that's um, you know near and dear that's happened to us, so we would like to to address this. And so, um, if you're listening and this show could be triggering, so we want you guys to be aware of that. So, you know, if, you know, normally we're lighthearted and, you know, we do have some, you know, you know, giggling moments, this is probably not going to be one of those shows. I mean, I'm sure we will, you know, do some giggling, but, um, you know, you might not want to listen to the show if this is going to be a triggering moment. So, um, but yeah, I want to introduce Michelle again, so thanks for joining me again today. Oh hi, thanks Pam. Happy to be here. Well, um, we had a we had a great show last time, and we had I mean it was a great response. So thanks for doing that last show with me. Oh my pleasure, it was great. And you know I think one of the things that triggered this the thought of this show for the two of us was just as we've said the number of people that we've come into contact with at conferences or online or whatever. Um, they're adoptees. They're they're working through some issues. And I think it shocked both of us, um, yeah. the headcount, the number of people who have in, experienced some kind of abuse, be it physical, mental, you know, um, sexual, whatever. Um, it was right. shocking to me to have one adoptee bring it up at a table and see how many hands went up. Um, right. It's, it's just, and I feel like there's a lot of people out there, you know, they don't want to talk about it too much, and it might be helpful just to share some of what's worked for us in dealing with some of these things. Um, it's just, I do want to say a disclaimer, though, that everyone's in a different place, and everyone feels differently about their story, and they've all had different experiences. So this is just mine, and it doesn't mean that I'm going to, that I think everyone else should feel the way that I do or think the way that I do. Um, we just felt like someone should start speaking out about the fact it's like a double whammy because, you know, especially in our generation, I don't know about your family, but when you are adopted and it's a secret and you're not supposed to talk about it, you can't right. process that in the first place. And you've got right. all of those, the feelings that come along with that, the the shame and the um, pain of it and issues that you might have around rejection or, you know, triggers around guilt or feeling like you weren't good enough to keep, all of those things that you that go along with that. Then we've had abuse on top of that. Um, it, it really is, it's hard. And in my family, you know, my dad was, um, 
just a, an alcoholic, and he had issues with rage. And, um, you know, it was really tough because here you are feeling like if I step out of line, I might get sent back to another field because I don't know why the first one gave me away in the first place. And exactly. that, that was just me. And then, you know, dealing, not really feeling like you can stand up too much for yourself in an environment that doesn't feel safe. Um, because along with the alcoholism, you know, comes a lot of uh, rage and yelling and name-calling and belittling and uh, demeaning. And um, and in my case, it, it went beyond that. I've I've talked, you know, obviously, I don't know, he, he did not avail himself to the help that was available to him um, in terms of, you know, trying to follow up with um, trying to get off the alcohol or get off the pills or whatever. He was a chemist, and uh, I think he felt like his life had to look a certain way. And back when I was little, he was wearing his $2,000 suits around to work. And yet behind the scenes, you know, it was really it was really tough. And he would um, – uh, okay, so what I was saying was he's been um, diagnosed sort of by professionals that I just talked to, um, one being a psychiatrist, who obviously can't diagnose him because he's not right there. But, you know, the words Damn. like type of schizophrenia came up or possibly, you know, an untreated bipolar disorder came up. Um, I know mental cruelty came up at one point because um, he did. <laughs> he was, uh, and, I, you know, I'm just going to share whatever. It's not my shame. I didn't do it. But, um, right. you know, it was in my house, one of the, these seem kind of minor, but we never knew what when what was going to when there would be an explosion or what would trigger it. There'd be an explosion, we wouldn't even know, you know, what we do now. But things right. like um our door had to be a door, all the doors in the house and all the drawers had to be either all the way open or all the way closed. They couldn't be at an angle or that would you know, you couldn't leave anything ajar or that might that might trigger something. Um, if we used the sink in the bathroom, we had to wipe everything down completely. There couldn't be any water spots on it or anything, or that would really, trigger, yeah, or that would trigger something. And um, one of the biggies was uh, when I was in, I think I was, I think I was in college. I don't even remember. I blocked out a lot of stuff. I don't even remember where I was flying in from. But he was picking me up from the airport, and at the time. I had just gotten I had just gotten stuck in like three elevators, <laughs> and I take them all the time now. But there was a, there was a period of time when I was like I was a little gun shy because I kept getting stuck. And when he picked me up, um, and we were walking back to the car, I said I don't want to take the elevator. I want to take the stairs. And I didn't really want to talk about it because there were a lot of people around. And he just was like I don't understand why you don't want to take the elevator, and got on and went up to the car, and I'm hoofing it up the steps, and I'm standing behind the car. Because um, I get up there, he had been. He got in the car, and I got up there. and I'm sitting behind the car, and he. I know he had to see me because I was waiting for him to open the trunk. He just drove away. He left me at the airport, and I. I was a teenager, and I was like, he left me thank 45 gosh. minutes away from home. And thank God, thank God, I had um, 20 bucks on me because then I had to find a shuttle. And when I got the shuttle to take me home, he'd put the deadbolts on the door, so I, he'd locked me out of the house. So then I had to get the driver to take me to my mom's friend's house and call him, and he was, you know, just totally drunk at that point. And, um, you know, he, there was just a lot of, um, you know, he kept lists of what we did wrong in his drawer. So if I lost things, um, I remember in high school something got stolen. I think it was my candy bars. Remember when we sold candy bars in high school? Right, as, right. As a fundraiser. 
and uh-huh. they got stolen off the bleachers, and he would pull out a list that he could, well, when you were five, you lost a library book. When you were eight, you lost a sewing pattern. Oh. And, you know, he's like listing and going, talking about my track record. And, you know, I was Ow. one of those people who could never do anything well enough or good enough. I had walls punched next to my head. Not me, but my head. Um, my report card was unacceptable all the time, even though I graduated fourth in my class. You know, my best one, I think calculus was kicking my butt. And he circled it and told me it was unacceptable. And, you know, I was called name, you know, all the stuff, you know, and and we've all got stuff. And and what I did with that is, again, this is just me, but I I took a long look in my adulthood. I mean, I'm not forgetting, forgiving or forgetting what happened, but I took a long look at him and I thought, well, you know, he he, he died. He's, He's deceased. But I thought, you know, he was, I realized he was adopted. He was relinquished by um, his father. Oh. His mother died in childbirth, and this was like 1936. And when he was in his family that he was adopted into, he had a sister die from a tooth abscess in adolescence. I mean, an abscess tooth. But she passed away. And then when he was in high school, his his father, his adoptive father, passed away from a heart attack, just suddenly dropped dead. And then he got married and had kids, and his 10-year-old died of leukemia. And then I came along, and I think he just couldn't manage all that. I just think he just couldn't – I think he just – and he just went off the deep end. I mean, that's just my interpretation. And um, I think for a long time I really felt like – especially after I grew up and got married, and then I had two children who didn't live from a genetic problem I didn't know I carried. I think from all of that – if I'm not careful, you know, I could fall into, like, a victim, victimhood, you know. Sure. And, um, you know, because, you know, as a child, when you don't understand what's going on, you're dealing with shame, you're dealing with guilt, you're dealing with abandonment, you avoid conflict. Um, I, I see a lot of it. sounded like a lot of us have physical illnesses, stomach problems, right. bladder problems, all kinds of things that are yeah. related to, like, nerves. Um, being approval seekers, being in denial about things, because I think one of the hardest things is, you know, if you live in a family where you're not allowed to talk about, A, your adoption, because it's so uncomfortable, and B, no one in your family wants to acknowledge what happened in the house. You feel like you're crazy. (laughs) Right. So then you feel like maybe, you know, you just feel so, it can be a very isolating experience. And so, you know, we were talking about things that have worked for us and to help us. Um, I think acknowledgement and validation of what happened is very powerful. Therapy yeah. is very powerful. And in addition to that, like support groups, there's nothing else like it because it's one thing to work it out with a therapist, but then to have to sit in a room of other people who've all experienced the same thing mm-hmm. to a degree. It's very right. liberating and very, it, you know, you realize, okay, I'm not crazy. This does happen. Right. I mean, there's there's just nothing like it. I mean, there's there's nothing like being able to talk to people about it and knowing that they feel the same way. I mean. Yeah. It, it's a life changer because, I mean, for me, what I realized was um, getting stuck in that, Oh, all these things. I think part of me, you know, when you're a child and you think you've caused everything, you think maybe, you know, I don't know what my parents, my first parents did to give me away. I don't know what happened there. And then it's, you know, okay, now I've got this stuff going on in my house. If I were only a better kid, that wouldn't have happened. I would, 
you know, on some level, I think I thought I deserved all of that. And I think that's also pretty common, so I'm just sharing that. You feel like, well, you know, I guess I didn't deserve any better. And I think the thing that really threw me was, you know, when you're told you're adopted and they say to you, you're special and we chose you, you're special, you're chosen, and then, you know, life is life is unpredictable, it's imperfect, and we can't explain it a lot of the times. And that really right. caused a lot of cognitive dissonance. You know, it flies in the face of reality because it's like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be special? What the hell is all this? <laughs> it's like, all right, this doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, I, you know, I just feel like telling our story decreases the shame and it, it then it loosens our its power over us. Um, yeah. I know. You know, and Well, me, and I think, I think that, you know, not to interrupt you, I think that, with my experience, when I came forward and you go to a parent and you tell them what happened and you take up that courage to go to that parent and say, this is what happened, and then nothing is done with it and it's completely silent and no one defends you. Mm-hmm then I I don't think that I realized that that's what happened right away. But yeah. then then I became very angry at that parent. And it took me until I was probably in my 40s. Well, I'm in my 40s now. But I mean early 40s to realize why I was so angry at that parent. And... It was like a light bulb went off, and I went, oh, my gosh. I realize now why I'm so angry, and I had been so angry, and any little thing that would slightly go wrong with that parent, that the the rage would just completely unhinge, you know, and I would just want to shut it down, and, which we have the fight or flight anyway, mm-hmm. so that, you know, that's what we, how we react, but... Yeah. It was bad. It was really, and I realized, oh my gosh, I know why now that 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 even is faster, because that parent did not, you know, react or, or did not defend or did not, you know, take care of that situation. Yeah. So you know, when we don't have trust, and the the parents that are supposed to handle and take care of and defend us don't do that. Where is our trust supposed to lie, you know, because they are our, you know, our protection. You know, we're children. And when they don't, you know, it's gone. Yeah, and and if you're not told about your adoption right away, then it's like, all right, what else aren't you telling me? So the trust is already kind of broken. And then, yeah. you know, then on pile yeah. on top of it, things happening. When you live in a house where you can't invite your friends over and you can't talk about what's going on in the house, it just compounds things. Yeah. But um, I finally came to the point later in life where I real and I didn't realize I was doing it, and like and this might be I don't, everyone's in a different place. This is just where I am, so I'm not saying everyone needs to feel this way, or should feel this way, or anything. But I just decided that um, I had was taking life kind of personally, and I've tried to turn around the way I look at it from 
like being a victim or broken, which wasn't working for me because it was holding me back in life professionally and in other ways, to just look at, like, I got hit by a lot of shrapnel. I just hit, got hit by shrapnel. You know, I yeah. had, you know, my birth mother's life sort of imploded um, at a point, and, and, and I, what happened to me, I had nothing to do personally with me, <laughs> I don't think. And um, and then, you know, with my adoptive father, he just, you know, he just, his life, I don't, for whatever reason, when I was about five, he just really started going downhill. And I've tried to look at that as, you know, I got hit by a lot of shrapnel. And I need to not let it, it nothing, it's not going to go away. Nothing's going to change it. But I focus on self-care. I focus on, um, I read a lot of Brene Brown, like, own your own story, and I've been working on rewriting it, and just the power of interpretation. And, yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot you can, I don't know, Pam Cordano had an amazing article about the superpowers of adoptees on, on Huff, HuffPost, which was, I think I've read it like five times. It was really good. Yeah. She's a marriage and family therapist. And it, I, I think, you know, part of me thought, Oh well, I, I've gone to therapy for a couple of years. All's good now. It should be fine. And mm-hmm. then I'd get frustrated when things would pop up, and it wouldn't be fine. But I think I'm getting better now at just like, all right, it's there. Hello there. <laughs> You're back again. Right. Go away now. Right. <laughs> and just try to move on. And for me, it was almost like I felt like I, I chose to. For me, it felt like it almost wasn't a choice. Either I move on um, and try to look at any silver lining I could take out of it or right. stay stuck in a place that that wasn't productive and just wasn't beneficial to me and that maybe the kindest thing I could do for myself um, and the most loving thing I could do for myself was to just say, you know, yeah, this stuff, it all happened. Nothing's going to change it. It's probably not going to go away, but I'm going to look at the good. I'm going to try to find the good that came out of it and just focus on, you know, put my attention on other things. And when it comes up back and haunts me and bugs me here and there, you know, I'll need, I'll deal with it again. And then I'll try to put my focus on other things. Um, so, but it I helps just, so much to have people to share it with. Well, I just feel like that, and I think you and I have talked about this, that we feel like we, we, we are, especially our generation, and I think there's a little less of this, obviously, with, as the generations move forward, I mean, it's it's getting to be less with these current generations, but especially our generation, we're a secret. So everything that happens to us just furthers the secret, you know. So yeah. we are really good secret keepers because we are a secret. And I, I think, I, I'm not going to say the, the adoptee's name because I don't have the permission, but... Um, you know, one of our one of our friends, um, she had said that one day, and I had never thought of it that way. And I was like, you know what? There's some truth to that. There's some really big truth that we are a secret. So, I mean, I don't think everybody feels that way, and I don't think everybody is that way. But I think there's a majority of us feel that, you know, we are still a secret. I mean, there's really, you know... There's just we just keep everything bottled inside, and so when that we don't run out into the street and go, oh my gosh, guess what? I I just you know was just smacked around, and I'm going to tell everybody in the neighborhood that you know, or 
Yeah. You know, I mean, there's so many, you know, different forms of abuse and, um, you know, it's it's just, it's, it's horrible. And there's, a, a child doesn't know, you know, who to tell and how much yeah. to tell. And there's a lot of fear put into that child, you know, to not tell. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're told not to tell, usually. Well, and I think um, the secrecy just breeds shame. You know, right. I think that's a big part of it. And I've I've just kind of decided, you know what, these things that were done to me, not my shame to carry around. Right. Right. I didn't do it. Right. I know. And it, I just, I worry, you know, there's so many of us, like you said, um, I think I had attended a conference in Florida, and it was late how most of us love to talk. I mean, you know, sitting, you know, on those couches and all of us just generally discussing, and I didn't ask the question, but you know, the question was posed, you know, you know, how many of you, you know, had, you know, experienced physical abuse, you know, sexual abuse, you know, mental, whatever, and the hands were raised and it was every bit of almost 90%. And, I mean, we were all, we were all really genuinely shocked. Mm-hmm. And... I have no statistics to it, so I can't even say that that's the norm or not, but it's, to me, shocking. And I know you had said during, you know, our IN, you know, conference, kind of the similar thing, and that that just completely throws, you know, throws me for a loop. I was was shocked about people who, uh and they were sharing things that, you know, it's just, it's, it's a shock. Um, to see how prevalent it is, and I think that's, you know, we were like, gosh, somebody needs to start talking about this because it's hard. I mean, for me, I have to have my adoptive support, my adoptee support group, but I also have to have an an ACOA group for um, adult children of alcoholics because they overlap so much. It's hard to tell, it's hard to figure out which to tie it back to sometimes because there's a lot of overlap. And it was another thing that struck me in in, um, the Al-Anon meetings is that, um, there are a huge number of people there who experience some of the same feelings, and I'm the only adoptee in the room. They might feel right. like, well, they were othered at home or, you know, they, they people treated them like you, they were different or they didn't fit in or just, just a lot of um, – it's amazing how much commonality and overlap there is. But um, I find that those two supports are just, are just really – they lift a weight. They're just very helpful. And I have found it so helpful to listen to other adults share their story because there's so much healing in that. And um, that's why I think we thought we would talk a little bit about, you know, some of the things that that we've observed and we've gone through and how it affects you in terms right. of just, you know, the, the self-esteem and your confidence and the conflict avoidance. And I think we mentioned yesterday um, trust and control yep. and, and throwing up walls. Yep. Growing up walls? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, first of all, it's taboo to talk about it. I mean, you know, and you don't feel like you can say anything. Um, I feel like that for the longest time, you know, I had just completely lost myself. I mean, I didn't know who I was. You know, I was, I was just, I wasn't even me. I didn't stand up for myself. You know, I yeah. lost a marriage. Um 
I mean, it really wasn't until 2009 I'd gone to that conference and I literally had stripped down everything of who I was and rebuilt myself. I mean, it was just, I am not, I am not the same person I was from 2009 before that. I mean, there's, there's some of me, but I am, I'm, yeah. I'm a, a completely, I, I think rebuilt person. I mean, there's some of the old person, but I, I, I had to completely redo myself because I learned, you know how, how I had to refunction and everything. I, I didn't know, you know, I could be, you know, this this person that I needed to be. And I'm telling you, you know, the whole adoptee thing, there is something to that, you know, because people tell you there's not, that there's not if they're outside of this. And that's the biggest false <laughs> statement that there can be. And, you know, when abuse is thrown into that, you know, that's, you know, that, that makes it even worse. And if oh, because so it's all about survival. You, you have to suppress who right. you are because it's all about just self-preservation at that point. Right, right. So that's all probably, and I assume you too, it was about surviving up until that point. That's all I was doing was just literally day-to-day just surviving, you know. And, yeah, I mean, I think that once you once you reach that point, you're like, okay, that's it, and then you just rebuild yourself. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a day-to-day basis, you know, and I think counseling is a great idea. You know, and there's free counseling, so people, you don't have to have money. You can find free counseling, you know, these, or sliding you know, scale, yeah. Yeah, sliding scale. I mean, there's all th- all kinds of things available, you know, and like you said, there's all kinds of support groups and, you know, our conferences and, I mean, there's so much available that really, I mean, have been such a help. I mean, I think we the just... conferences, for me, were the most powerful where you're in person talking to people yep. for like six hours after you've just had a really powerful workshop and right. people are sharing things that they wouldn't share online. Um, yeah. You know, it's a face-to-face. It's completely different. A lot of healing happens, and that was very magical at your conference last year. Like I just, I just couldn't get over it that we, you know, it was just, we. I twenty some of us just went down and you know got pizza and hung out in the lobby for it must have been six hours. And the next day, same thing in the morning. So um, that the connection, the sense of community and connection, really helps with that uh, sense of isolation that can come when you're not allowed to talk about your adoption, how you're feeling about it, or or can't or feel you can't and. Um, or feel it's not safe to, and then um, the isolation that can come on top of of growing up in a family with alcoholism or some sort of abuse happening um, just makes it even more isolating. So that community and the connection is just huge. In addition to really good therapy, it's just huge. Right. Right. And and just you know, like I did the same thing where I was like, I'm done with this. I I, I can't. I don't want to feel like this anymore. So I'm just going to make the choice to look at things differently and actually would, would write out my story from one perspective and then change it from a more, like, silver lining kind of perspective. Like, this is what came out of it. Um, these are the good things, you know, these are the things that, 
that the strengths that I drew from it, these are the way that I can look at it, you know, um, instead of saying I was, you know, conceived and born in shame or something, I could say, well, you know what, I was conceived through generations of love and uh, at a time when it was just felt best that I would be better served in an environment where I would have a better chance. Right. So just, you know, just look at it that way. Um, and so, yeah, the power of interpretation is, is very, um, it's pretty potent in terms of just kind of looking at your life and deciding, I don't want to feel crappy about it anymore. I'm rewriting it. I'm writing the ending. This is how I want things to go from now on. And um, and just not, I'm not going to say that I don't ever slip back in to that victim mindset or get very frustrated that I'm still dealing with all of this. But... Um, being kind to yourself or to myself about it is helpful. Give myself time to process it and move on again. And I think um, the worst part is that we aren't kind to ourselves. I mean, we are hard on ourselves about it, and you know, it, it's so it's it's so rough. I mean, I think that it just it destroys us and. You know, if we were if we were going to talk to someone else about it, we would never be that hard on anyone else. Mm-mm. You know, and, mm-hmm. and but we're we're just we just beat ourselves up. You know, and uh, I hate that. You know, I don't think I was aware of how hard and on myself and self-critical that I was for a long right. time. Because right. it's hard when you grow up in a in a in a house with those kinds of things going on. You have to guess at what normal is very often. Like, oh right. <laughs> you, you know you right. kind of lose perspective. So um, and yeah, I've worked a lot on that. I still catch myself doing it, but um, yeah, a lot of um, retraining it, reframing it into positive has helped. If I sometimes True. I'll sit and write down the negative things that are coming to me, and then sit down and rewrite it positively. And that seems to help me, too. And again, I'm not a That's therapist. This is just stuff I've picked up. Right. Yeah, You sometimes you're right. You don't even you don't even realize how hard you are being to yourself until, and what normal is. I mean, who, what is normal, you know, um, well, you know, when you're living in the middle of it. Yeah, and I don't even think I realized how much it affected me because I was like, oh, you know, I'm out of there. And, you know, you still carry the thought patterns and, the imprinting of different things that were said and done. Right. And right. For me, I, know, and you I know, just I, had to... Okay, no, go ahead. Um, well, I think, too, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, if you've been married before, when you move into the second marriage, which is horrible, I'm not saying, like, you should be married ten times or anything, but when you move into the second marriage, you pull, you know, what was in the first one. You're, you know, you're bound to pull in that second, you know, into the first marriage, into the second, you pull that stuff in, you're like, no, you know. So, you know, if you don't realize what you're doing, you've got to stop. You've got to realize, you know, what is yeah. what is not normal and, and put a stop to it. And, and one of the best uh, things I ever did, thank God, well, after I, the, the one of the silver linings is that when I went into therapy when my first one died. And then I stayed in therapy through the loss of the second child and that was really good for me because then I thought it really kind of cracked open my heart because at that point I think I'd shut a lot of emotions off and didn't really wasn't feeling too much um I mean before that happened 
And then I think um, I just decided, like, I want to be a better parent. And I went to a lot of therapy just to feel like, you know, what's a good parenting technique, what's not, because I would sometimes recognize, hear myself say something and go, crap, I don't want to be that kind of mom, you know, when they were young. Right, right. And, um, and I'm talking, like, two. And I think, okay, like, I put myself back in therapy because I thought I, I don't want to be that mom who says things that are just nasty. Um, right. And so that's one of the things that I think has I've been, um, it's been a lot of work, but I've been pretty proud of is that I've just, I feel like I really changed my parenting style around from what it might have been potentially or what the, you know, what the possibility was and just really stayed in touch with people who could keep me on the right track with my kids and my husband. Right, right. And I think that's the same way with with being an adoptee. I mean, do we do we want to be better to ourselves or do we want to, you know, continue on this path of, you know, beating ourselves up and not finding a solution? I know I don't. And no. You know, that's and the solution why... is different for everyone. I mean, this is just what I do, but the solution and people have, how people resolve things are so different and individual for each person, and the healing looks different for everybody. We know people who have gone through tremendous healing um, in traumatic, like yoga therapy. People have yep. gone through tremendous healing just being out in nature all the time. Um, yep. So it's just it's different for everyone, but I think... And, and one of the things that really hit me at one of my first conferences, because it, as a child I would think... I must have deserved this. Like, God must be thinking I deserve all this or, um, you know, or thinking, you know, in a, in a child's mind, like, if I was just better, they wouldn't be like this, or if I'd been better, I wouldn't have been given away or whatever. Um, and as an adult, I'd look around at the other attendees and, and think it never crossed my mind that any of them deserved it either. So why couldn't I give myself that same benefit? I would never right. look at one of them and think that they deserved any of that. Right. <laughs> and right. they didn't. And exactly. uh, nobody deserves it. Nobody nobody deserves it. You know, nobody de- that's that's a stupid thing to think, but that's where my child mind was. Well, and you know, like you said, you know, it isn't about, you know, that you have to go to a conference or you have to do this, but whatever it is, whatever it is, find find your place. Find if it is walking in nature like you said or if it is mm-hmm. yoga or you know, if it's, you know, finding another adoptee friend that, you know, has has found her, you know, calling and, you know, can, you know, discuss things with you and, and is a good support, you know, what whatever that is, you know, find it because, you know, this this can't go on. You've, you know, it, it can destroy you. And, you know, there's just so much peace to be found in this and, I mean, you know, I had started out in search and reunion helping people, and it was like, I think, 1990, so 27 years ago. And albeit that was great and it, I felt like it was a calling, it wasn't the solution to finding, you know, peace. And, you know, it didn't calm the waters of the underlying issue. I mean, it was great, and I'm yeah. so glad, you know, I could you know, help my peeps and, and it and it did do great things because a lot of, you know, my adoptee peeps, you know, got their, you know, families together. So I'm so glad I did it. But there was more to it, you know. 
And, we really um, have to look inside for that right. validation. We really have to look inside and because, you know, that's that approval seeking can be a killer for us and feeling yeah. like we have to be a certain way and, and it's it's a really strange place to be in where you're thinking about nature nurture and thinking about, you know, I'm expected to grow up this way with this level of expectations in in, in this family. And we've talked before about you know, the one example of a friend who was very athletic and very aquatic and in a family, I don't know if they were bookworms, but they were just a very different type of person. And, you know, you're trying to find yourself. You really do, I mean, it really does teach us, on the one hand, to be very independent, and on the other hand, um, you know, there's a there's a flip side to that, that <laughs> we don't, we, we kind of, it's that push-pull of come closer but stay away because I don't want you to hurt me. Right. Um, right. So it, it, just because you know we we look to the external for validation sometimes. I don't even know if I'm making sense, but and then oh yeah, um, we can't because really it's got to come internally, and it takes a lot of work. But it's it's been this is where I am right now, and it's been rewarding, and um, it's painful, and it is a lot of work. But we're worth it, and we have to fight for ourselves. Because well, and I think you know, I wonder sometimes though. Too, I know a lot of us have have stuffed it, you know, down. I don't. I think, I think sometimes, or well, for a long time, I didn't remember some of the things that had happened. You know, that I had yeah. really. Um, I think I'd forgotten a lot of it, and I, you know, I didn't want to remember it. And I think, you know, I don't want to. I didn't forget totally. I just had chosen to not bring it to the surface. So I think that's safe for us is to put it away. And I think mm-hmm. you had talked about this to compartmentalize it. And um, because we're trying to survive, it's a yeah. survival technique for us. And, we have um, to take it out and show it the light of day, and mm-hmm. but then you know put it in its place, I guess, in our lives. And that's right. what the hard thing is. It's like, what do I do with all of this? What do I do with all of this? And, the, like, you know, as we said, the answer is different for everyone. But I think just having someone to walk through it with you, to acknowledge it, and to validate what happened is, is very powerful. Right. And to not right. feel like you're alone. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and I think, you know, if once you've sat down and you've, you know, kind of started to bring that to the, you know, to the light. You know, I think, you know, you really, I mean, we need to be careful because I don't want anyone to start, you know, bringing all that to the light and then I'll go, oh, my gosh, what do I do with this? So, you know. Sure. You know, you know, be very careful and, and really, you know, make sure you've got, you know, some thoughts of, you know, counseling and, mm-hmm. like I said, good some support. good resources. And, you know, because, I mean, you and I have been fortunate enough to, like we've said, go to counseling. And because, you know, it there's depression that goes along with it. There's anxiety that goes along with it. And because, I mean, I've had all of that. And it's been it's been really tough. And But I also know that I've, you know, we've had the conferences to go to. We've had each other to talk to. We've had other friends to talk to. You've yeah. done writing. I've done writing. Um, I think keeping a journal is a good thing. Um, That's been huge, yeah. Yeah, I don't think any of those are... For me. 
are one solid answer, I think all those things combined, you know, have. Um, but um, I think it's it's just yeah, a tragedy well, that us have had to go through it. That's for sure. Whatever um, your whatever your version of of self care is, and just I right. had to accept that I I need a good bit of it, and that's and that that it, that's okay. It's okay. Yep. I have to take care of myself. But um, yeah, I mean we we we're, we've got a lot of grit, and we've got a lot of yeah. resilience, and a lot of compassion, and a lot of empathy, um, and uh, hopefully. I know I still struggle sometimes with putting up good boundaries, so I hope I'm getting better with that. But um, you know that that's one thing that was hard for me to um, work on in that growing up in that house that I did. I think um, I think the hardest thing too I think is um, making ourselves not go backwards because I think it's you know because it, it pulls you back in. You know, I feel like that that because it, we're just we're we're kind of I don't want to say we're stuck in that moment, but you know, it. I mean, we leave it and we, you know, we move forward, but that moment never quite oh, ever leave. I mean, it. I mean, it does, and that's we what can you get wanted. triggered. Yeah. Yeah, but, but yeah, exactly. We do get triggered, but that's where you build the strength up that, you know, you. You can, you know, move past it, but, you know, that's why, you know, you you do get the, you know, the counseling and, you know, again, the the strength to go, okay, if that moment arises, you know, because it is, it's a, it's a huge thing to move past, and, you know, um, which I won't go into huge detail, but, you know, there was a huge moment where a big trigger was there, and... <laughs> You know, you just go, oh, my gosh, like, okay, can I handle this? And, and you do, and you move past it. But, again, it's it's just one of those things where you think, oh, you know, goodness. I mean, but, you know, we're like you said, we've got a lot of um, grit. We're, we're a strong set of people. And um, I don't know why it seems like we're more susceptible. I would like, you know, you and I were talking about, you know, someone doing a study on this that, you know, our adoptees, you know, more susceptible. Because, like you said, I mean, we didn't technically, I mean, yes, there was foster care, but, you know, my foster care was, you know, not technically foster care. My parents immediately adopted me. So there was no technical foster care. Um, But some of us did go into foster care for, what, three months or two weeks or, you know, so some of us were in foster care for a year. So, you know, some people did have that. But what is it that makes the adoptee population more susceptible to that? I mean, I would uh, love yeah, for to do, you know, yeah. to find out more about that. Yeah, I, mean, I, think I, I heard that come up at the last conference, but by someone who felt like um, it just made her more susceptible to certain certain things. Right. That she had right. to recover from. <laughs> right. So, yeah. I mean, I would love for. I know a lot of us um, are definitely going into the social work, um, you know, line of work, and I would love for them to do a study. I mean, you know, I've done the Survey Monkey 
um, questions, and uh, I would like to go into a whole line of, you know, survey questions because it's anonymous, you know, and kind of see what, you know, shakes out of that. And, you know, I think people are pretty honest in that. I mean, maybe they maybe they wouldn't be, um, but, you know, kind of see what, you know, would happen in, you know, a certain line of questions and, you know, see what people would answer as far as, you know, how their childhood went. And, you know, we asked some yeah. pretty honest, you know, some pretty deep questions and, you know, people were really honest in it and, um, you know, kind of see what they thought about things, you know, because, you know, being a child in our in our line, you know, in our age, um, you know, things were not talked about. That's That was that age group for our parents. You know, it's not like yeah. today where everything is discussed. I mean, if you have a hangnail, <laughs> you know, it's on Instagram. I mean, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Back when we had a hangnail, um, it wasn't even talked about, you know. So <laughs> it's a totally different, um, you know, thing. It's not the same. So, you know, everything well, is on, you know, social media. I mean, the minute anything happens... And you know, I'm and part of it. I'm kind of glad things aren't. You know, in our our um, age group, nothing was on social media. So part of that is good. But you know, for now, I mean, who knows how things would have been for us had they been? Things might have been different for us. But um, there's good and bad to that, I guess. Yeah, I just know, like, I I I can't spend any more energy wondering why because as long as i'm breathing on this earth there are a lot of things that i'm I'm never going to have that answer to and it just to me was ridiculous to exert any more energy wondering that exactly that's right yeah i mean we have to move forward move backward yeah yeah i saw a saying and it's funny you say that because i thought of you exactly when this it's i'm going to mess it up i know i will because that's what i do but it said, I'm not going to look backwards because that's not the direction I'm going. Mm-hmm. That's a great saying. I, I, I probably didn't yeah. say it right. That's close enough, right? Um, yeah. Well, I know I've heard something along the lines of, like, you can look back, just don't stare. You know. Well, oh, that's great. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. We're not going backwards. We're going forward. So, you know, and that it's the truth. So, um, which I think you have a great attitude. I mean... You have been through a lot, and, um, you know, if anybody needs somebody to look at as far as, you know, how to move forward, it's you, because I'm telling you, you've been through hell. I mean, um, Well, it's just, to me, there was no choice. I have I have kids, and I could either, to me, what I thought was, I can either model my life after, like, my father and just really muck it up. <laughs> or, you know, I, I guess that motto I go back to, be better or bitter. And I just right. go into therapy going, I don't want to be bitter. Like, I don't, I have kids. They deserve a life without a bitter, angry mom. And that really was a huge impetus for me in just moving forward because I felt like I just, I can't, like, I can't do this to my children and have them put up with crazy mom. So yeah. I just really made a huge effort. Um, over the years to, re, you know, I, 
repivot my parenting at times when they get older. You have to parent teens differently than you do young children, and you have to parent young adults differently than you do teens. And so with all those things being said, I just always checked in because I thought, you know, my family, they deserve, they don't deserve um, a mess of a mom any more than I deserved some of the things that happened to me. And right. I felt like I had no choice. So for me, it, I think people have a choice, but for me, there was almost no choice. It was like, you're going to you're gonna keep moving. And things do happen, and I get, I slump back into that victim mode, and now I just recognize it and say, you know what, I can either stay mired in this or I can give myself two days to work through this and honor it because you don't, you can't ignore it. Like honor what happened, honor the process, um, work through it, acknowledge it, and then right. just say, all right, now I'm just going to reframe this and I'm going to move forward. And everyone is on a different timeline. That's the one, th- one of the things about grief and society that, that kind of gets to me is when things happen, people get, uncomfortable they'll give you a grace period and then they want they don't want to hear about it anymore they want it to be over and you know as far as like losing children and things yeah it happens to people you, i don't think you ever get over it you adjust to it you get used to it being part of your life and um you know i think people and everyone's timeline is different i think we have to respect and honor that you know people are going to process things different ways it's going to take them a different amount of time um, and people, they really need our support rather than our, our judgment. It's, I think right. it's great when we all can hold one another's hands, even if it's virtually, to just say, yeah, I'm here, I, I hear you, I'm listening. Um, I think that's huge. People need to be heard so they can well, move forward. I, I know, and I think, um, I mean, you know, there's there's just so much, you know, you can do. I mean, I mean, you you need to give yourself a break. I mean, you know, you can't be hard on yourself. You you have to give yourself credit. Um, it's like they say, it's one day at a time. I mean, it's yeah. that's that's and sometimes all you can... it's one breath at a time. Right? It's true. Yeah, it is. Sometimes true. it's one breath it's at a breath. time. Yeah. And but um, I personally think that we're all worth fighting for. We're worth fighting for ourselves, and we're worth. Um, stepping onto the path alongside others as they work through things too. We're all worth it. Yeah, I mean it's true. I mean, and if we're, if you're not worth it, then who is, right? I mean, because I mean you're worth doing the work for. You're worth taking the time for. And I mean that's that's the whole reason why, you know, we wanted to do those conferences because, you know, we thought if we're going to do these. Let's do them. Let's do them now. Um, and I mean, we had those workshops, and I thought, I mean, I thought they were all really good. And mm-hmm. you know, um, I know the ones we're going to have next year are going to be as good, or you know, I mean, not I want to say better because you know they're going to be the same. You know, caliber. The workshops are very powerful, and then that time built in to just process it with other people who heard the same thing that you did and talk it out. It's just right. it's, it's equally valuable, I think. You know, you need time to kind of work it through. Well, and I think that, you know, when you can sit down and just go, just talk through and just, I mean, just listen to each other and, you know, just go through it with, you know, like, you know, what did you get out of it? And, mm-hmm. you know, what did you think about it? And, 
you know, I mean, I I didn't get to sit in as many as I wanted, but you know, I'm telling you this the the next one's going to be, you know, just as good. And you know, but anyway, I I just feel like that, you know, we we just need to spend the time on each other and and take the time to on, just be honest, you know, and stop, yeah. you know, just stop for a minute because there's just too much, and I wasn't doing that. I didn't do that. I took, you know, too long trying to do too many things, and all that stuff made me just run into a wall. And when I hit that conference, and all of a sudden they started talking about those things, and I was like, hold on. <laughs> I yeah. not dealt with any of this stuff. And I thought, you know, I was already in reunion for like 15 years at that point. I don't need to go to a conference. I don't need to talk about this stuff. And it I mean it was it was literally like hitting a wall. And I yeah. was in complete tears and I thought, "Uh oh. Well, yep. Yes, I guess I do." <laughs> and it I cried that, my that first was conference that too. was yeah. best and the worst thing at all in one. I don't know. If, did you have a similar experience like that? Um, I cried my way through my first conference. Yeah. And yeah. um I think well, for me, I had – it's like peeling back the layers of an onion. So each conference I go to, I can peel back something different, and I can take something different out of what I hear and do another step in my healing. Um, yeah, for me, I think I definitely – in um, 2014, you know, when I when I was looking for my birth mother, obviously I was looking for medical reasons because I had just had a second baby die, and I was, like, tired of this. <laughs> and they were telling me that it could really um, – they were telling me that it could have been related to, you know, those genetic, and there could be a 50% chance of any boy getting this. And, um, you know, I was so grief-stricken. I didn't really have a lot of time to process on the right. whole adoption thing. And I was just trying to get medical information. And um, after all of that, I remember, like, in 2014, something really horrific was happening in my life that's work-related. And... I it just I that's the wall that I hit. I was like I cannot I had to go back to therapy and realize how much I had I was still you know you talk about stuffing feelings. I um internalize. I don't externalize and yell at people. I'll keep it in and get sick. And mm-hmm. I yeah, and I really um really had a very tough time in the summer of I think it was 2014 and got some help again because all of a sudden it was like there's a lot of stuff I never dealt with (laughs) and it all hit me and a lot of it was just around being who I thought other people needed me to be and I was tired of the stress and just there was just a lot going on and um, that trigger that I had in my life that was work-related really um, opened up a lot so I was probably 46 maybe 46 or 47 yeah and was just like I I, I can't I got to stop and take stock and I think I had a couple years of of pretty accelerated solid healing because it was like I got to move on like I'm I'm done with this um, right. And I'll never be done with it, but I really made that commitment to um, work my way through it, and then when I can, right. try to focus on other things. And when it hits right. me, I give it the attention that it needs and be gentle with myself, and then I can, you know, focus on other things. Right. Well, I mean, you know, like you said, it's one of those just hit and miss moments. You just never know when it's going to 
when it's going to be there and um and it's weird it's you just don't know what i mean it's just there and you know you just have to stop and and kind of just deal with it and you know um you know i was talking There's to my <laughs> to my husband about it and he said you know um you know adoption's pretty much a 24/7 thing with you guys <laughs> and i thought um well, yeah, you know what it is because we're pretty much adopted all the time. Uh, yeah, well, it doesn't and I, go away. I, I personally didn't want it to affect me like this. I didn't want right. to, like I didn't want to have to deal with this all the time, and that was part of it. Just accepting, like, oh, yeah, exactly. there are things it, here that I didn't realize affected me. They're going to affect right. me. But I think you know, you and I both noticed how many people we're running into who have had these issues and they're quiet about it because they don't know where to go or who to talk to about it. And it's really good of you to do this show so people know, hey, like, there's a whole bunch of us out there to support one another on the journey. I mean, we can't heal one another, but we can definitely, you know, we're therapists, but we can definitely be there for just to to witness the journey and to help out and offer support and understanding and, to a degree, shared experience. Well, if if you are listening, um, you know, I... I, I know a few names. I can, you can always uh, email me. You can go to our website. I'll give it to you at the end of the show. Um, you know, or you can. I'm sure look in your, in your phone book. I'm sure there's some, some people phone book. Well, that was like an old school name. What am I? Fifty million years. <laughs> um, you know, you can Google. Um, but I'm sure there's some people you know, or somebody knows, you know, someone. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely support groups around and, um, you know, with our, you know, our states that are opening the records, you know, this is, you know, there's reunions that are going to happen and there's hopefully healing that's going to happen. Um, but it's also going to open some wounds up that, you know, are going to need some healing too. So, you know, with reunion doesn't always happen to just everything go, oh, okay, everything's great now. So Yeah, you know, well, and I, I I never dealt really well with the um, secondary rejection from my adoptive father right. because we were estranged for a while, and then when I went to try to make amends, he wouldn't have any part of it, and he was very cold. And the thing is, he knew he was dying. I had no idea. He knew he was dying. So like a month after I went and visited him, he passed away. And then I felt at least like I did my part in saying, you know, what I needed to say in the most um, positive way that I could um, and just try to, you know, extend an olive branch. And he had no part of that. And he, you know, disowned everybody in the will and (laughs) sent his money elsewhere and left me his ashes out of spite. Um, So, you know, some of that was just hard to process. So... You know, it does well, at, least, at different times, right. in different ways. Well, we are in. We, I don't know how we did it. We've already gone through an hour. Thanks for coming on and oh, talking to me. This has been great. So, guys, let me know if you guys love this show. Please, um, you know. I hope it helps somebody. <laughs> you know, reach out and email me and let me know that you loved it. Um, you can go to our website, which is indianaadoptinetwork.org. You can email me. And um, don't forget, we've got our conference coming up next year. And, of course, Indiana's records open up next year. 
thanks again for joining me. And, um, yeah, we'll do another show, I'm sure, because we can find another subject to talk about. Um, Yeah, it was a great show. I loved it. And, um, yeah, we'll do another one, and we'll find uh, some great things to talk about. Hey, you guys, uh, thanks for joining me again. And as you guys know, blue skies and green lights. Thanks again, Michelle. Thanks for being on. Thanks, Tim. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.